Hi, I'm Wade Schrader. I'm a pediatric orthopedic surgeon and I'm the endowed chair of cerebral palsy at the Nemours Children's Health Delaware. I'm very happy to discuss our paper with you, Mortality After Spine Fusion in Children with Cerebral Palsy and Cerebral Palsy-like Conditions, a 30-year follow-up study. I really want to thank all of my co-authors for all of their hard work on this project. And I want to thank the editorial staff for Developmental Medicine and Child Neurology for giving us the opportunity to come to you with this podcast and discuss our paper. So we know that children with CP, especially at higher GMFCS levels, those with four and five are at risk for scoliosis. And we know that that decreases their quality of life that's been shown in several studies. And one of the, one of the best things that we do from a surgical perspective is posterior spinal fusion for those children with CP and scoliosis. And that also has been shown in several studies to improve the quality of life for those kids after that big surgery. But it is a big surgery, and there's a lot of risk involved with, with that particular operation uh, with a relatively high complication rate. And there is always the chance that, that children uh, may not survive long after that particular spinal fusion. And so the question about the risk of the surgery and the benefits of the surgery is always a big issue that comes up when we're trying to counsel patients and their families and so that they can make a family-centered, uh, directed decision uh, to, make, to determine whether it's appropriate for them to proceed with the spinal fusion or not. Our project was a retrospective study that looked at all the children that had surgery at our institution between 1988 and 2018. So all of those kids with CP and CP-like conditions who had spine fusion, we attempted to try to follow them to see what their survivorship was after the spine fusion. The uh, results were quite uh, impressive. We, we ended up looking at a lot of different opportunities to try to find those patients. There is a national death index that's uh, sponsored by the Centers for Disease Control, and so that was our primary source. But we also searched people with internet search engines. We had our own internal database for families with CP. And so we took all of that information together and tried to find the outcomes for over, over 750 patients. And what we found was that almost two-thirds of the patients would survive up until 30 years of age. Um, that certainly that type of life expectancy is consistent with some other life expectancy estimates for patients with GMFCS4 and 5 function. We also found that over 50% of those children would live more than 20 years after the spinal fusion. So that also, also is a really important finding for our study. I'd like to kind of talk you through a couple of the graphs that we, that we have, some particulars about some of the data in, in our study now. Figures one and two show uh, our overall survivorship after the time of surgery, both from their date of birth as well as from the time from surgery in particular. And so you can see that's a typical Kaplan-Meier survivorship graph. If we then looked at figure three, figure three really looks at the the risk of when they had the surgery. So what we found was that children that had to have the surgery at a older age tended to have improved survivor rates. So what that means likely is that patients who had to have surgery at a younger age typically had more severe comorbidities and likely that would impact their survivability. We also looked in figure four in terms of the length of stay and whether 
prolonged length of stay was a risk factor for decreased survival. And as expected, patients that had longer postoperative stays in the hospitals and in the ICUs had decreased survivorship, as did those patients that had significant pulmonary comorbidities and G-tubes. Again, probably just reflecting the overall severity of their comorbidities. And finally, the last thing that I'd like to show you is on figure five. That shows some the different survivorships across the surgical eras. In practicality, the spinal fusion operation that we do has not changed much since 1988. We have used some more modern implants, but the overall techniques and the overall surgical process itself really hasn't changed much. And as such, there was no significant differences between the survivorship from these three different tenure cohorts. There is, if you look carefully at the more modern surgical era and compare that with the early surgical era, those curves are starting to diverge a little bit. And although they're not statistically significant, if there is any meaningful difference from that, that's likely reflective in any improvements in our ICU care. So in discussing our paper, we feel that this is a very important contribution to the cerebral palsy literature. While it's not a natural history study, we really we don't have a comparison group, so we can't determine what the specific effect of the spinal fusion was on the lifespan or the longevity of these children. What we can do is provide families with much needed information about what they can expect after a spinal fusion. And what we found was, as we stated before, was that the majority of these kids live a long time and live well into adulthood. And so we think that's a really, really important factor for healthcare providers to know and for, to be able to discuss that with families so that they can make the right decision for their children going forward. I just wanna thank my co-authors again for their work on this. And again, thank the editorial staff for develop, from DMCN for the opportunity to share with this, with this information with you today. And I hope you enjoy our paper.